0: Welcome to the Brew Crew Review Podcast, the show by fans or fans of your Milwaukee Brewers.
1: Alright, welcome back, Brewer fans. Um, this is a Brew Crew Review Podcast. Joining me today is uh, Vince and hopefully Scott will be along soon to save Christmas as we're just before the holiday season. Uh, how are you doing today, Vince?
0: Doing great, Craig. Great to, you know, spend a little time talking baseball today as we head into uh, the next few busy days of uh, between Christmas and New Year. So now excited to take a little time to talk some baseball today.
1: Absolutely. And uh, of course, the winter meetings came and went and it was pretty uneventful for the Brewers standpoint. Uh, They did not select anyone in the Rule 5 draft, uh, nor did they lose anyone. Um, So I mean, um, and there hasn't been any trades here during the hot season as of yet, or signings for that matter. Um, uh, but I guess what are what are your thoughts on, uh, well, a few, of the, a few of the former Brewers actually have signed elsewhere. I know that Alex Claudio just signed with another team. Is that correct, Vince?
0: Yeah, he signed with the uh, Angels, Craig. Um, so, yeah, the Brewers lose. A, a left-handed reliever who, you know, Despite, you know, I think he, his numbers are fairly pedestrian, and um, I don't know that he was necessarily someone that the Brewers were looking to long-term in the bullpen. He did he did actually throw a lot, you know, for the Brewers. So we are going to have to find a way to replace uh, Claudio just in terms of, you know, somebody needs to take those innings, uh, you know, going forward in the bullpen, and ideally it would be a lefty. Yeah, absolutely. It, you know, bro- it, it, should, it should be pointed out that a guy like Claudio has value – had to have gone down to a team like the Brewers just a little bit. Um, I guess it didn't go down enough for another team like the Angels, not to be interested, but ever since the three batter minimum, you know, went into effect in 2020, um, it limits a a guy who previously had been a loogie, you know, a a one batter, maybe two uh, batter guy that a left-handed pitcher would face um, just bringing in uh, someone like Claudio to only face left-handed hitters uh, in game. So, you know, it's, it's interesting how, some of the new rules that Major League Baseball has chosen to adopt has led to guys, I think, losing some value. And and Claudio, I think, certainly fits that category.
1: Yeah, and we have signed a few guys um, recently uh, on a minor league deal. It looks like we signed a right-handed pitcher, Luis Perdomo, um, formerly of the Padres. He's um, a right-handed pitcher, bullpen arm, only 27 years old, Mm. but um, not too exciting. He had an ERA (laughs) over five. 5.71
0: last year and unless i'm mistaken i i think um i think it was our anonymous source tom carter who told me that perdomo can't won't even be pitching at all in 2021 he's actually injured so this was just to gain the rights to him uh for 2022 um and to be able to offer him arbitration i would presumably if his rehab is going well so i don't think that he's going to be throwing you know an, an inning for milwaukee next year and you know, again, he wasn't great, but Claudio threw in 103 games for the Brewers over the course of two years, our interns are telling me. So, you know, something to keep in mind, the Brewers will certainly be on the market for um, somebody, presumably a, a left-hander, uh, who can eat that many innings uh, for the Brewers. 103 games in two years. One of, and, of course, one of those years was this year, 2020, where we only played 60 games.
1: No, we did have on help uh I'm not sure if he's in relation to Luis or not I assume not but uh maybe there's some connection there but uh, he's a left-handed pitcher um still also in his 20s that really um, didn't log very many innings for the birds last year but I think he still has some potential to maybe be a bullpen piece but he's also uh yep. you know someone with minor league options so uh we'll see what yep. we have what we have there a couple other um signings we just claimed today From the Seattle Mariners off waivers, Tim Lopes. Um, Again, not (laughs) terribly exciting, but he's kind of like a utility infielder, a little bit of a journeyman, but uh, I don't really feel that he has the potential to fill starting position, even though he does play some third base. Um, But I think that's more of just like a depth thing or possibly, uh, you know, invite him to spring training and see what happens type of thing if he can compete. Uh, I know that it was kind of a little bit of a, a fan favorite for the Mariners, um, but again, not not too exciting with signing. So, with that said, I mean it's really it's really tough to perceive what the Brewers are going to be doing this off season. Obviously, there's still a lot of off season left, um, and we'll see. But I, I, I mean, we talked about this our last podcast, but I really don't think that there's going to be too many earth-shattering free agent signings. I mean, I think if there's anything earth-shattering that's going to happen at all, at all this off season, it'll probably be. A possible trade of Josh Hader. And uh, so we'll, I don't, I'm not
0: really sure, but. Uh, uh, well, Craig, we'll, do you think that, do you think that, just, you know, part of part of the reason that why I think that this off season has been slow for many teams, not just the Brewers, um, you know, is all the, the COVID stuff, just the uncertainty in the market. Um, you know, team's not sure if we're going to be playing 162 games. I hope that we are. I presume that we are in 2021, but you, you know, there were, since our last taping, there was one, unnamed owner who had a quote that um, you know the season would start in May and that it would be a shortened season and all this stuff so I just wonder if if this uncertainty is what's causing you know this sort of just reluctance for GMs or teams to get involved uh, on the market you know I guess it's hard to plan for a season that you don't really know what to expect with Um, so my guess is that that's what's leading to the slowness and my question for you though is is, is that market uncertainty going to lead the Brewers to end up keeping Josh Hader? So rather than making a big, flashy trade, you know, trading a, a franchise icon like Hader, um, do you wait until there's some stability in the market, or do you try to take advantage of other teams not really wanting to invest in free agents to trade for a guy who isn't going to cost a ton of money in Josh Hader?
1: Great questions, Vince. Um, I guess I'll start with the Hader part of the question, and that's you're very you're very uh, indeed correct that COVID is having a major impact in this offseason for a lot of teams. Um, I, I think that they're really starting to feel the trickle-down effects of the economic impact that did have, and a lot of owners, especially of small market teams, are, are really saying, you know what, we got to cut some costs here and cut down some payroll and are looking to trade guys that are, are you know, too expensive. If you look at the Cincinnati Reds, they're already starting to – you know, they didn't re-sign Trevor Bauer and they're looking to trade some more salary. I know that they're even shopping Sonny Gray and there's even rumors that they're shopping their other controllable ace, um, Luis Castillo. So I think Mm -hmm. the the impact is real and I think it possibly will affect any type of Josh Hader market for this offseason. And and therefore, luckily the Brewers do still have three years of team control over him and even though he'll get a little bit expensive for us, uh, I think that, you know, it's very possible we could look to trade him at the deadline, which I think makes the most sense. A lot of times, playoff teams that are, you know, wanting to make that push really are looking for bullpen arms, especially someone like Hader. So uh, that could could probably maximize a return, but um, next offseason would be an option too, and there's also the option of keeping him, but um, we'll see. But I I think that I was fairly confident we might get rid of him this offseason since our last podcast, I guess, because of what the market looks like my guess would be that the brewers aren't going to find what they're looking for in a return for him and therefore he'll probably start the 2021 season as a milwaukee brewer if i had to guess so that's probably a good right. thing for fans to hear
0: yeah no and and you're you might be right about the deadline too you know last year the brewers were sort of on that i mean last year was 2020 it was just such a weird year where you had you know all sorts of teams making the playoffs that never would have but the brewers were even with that scenario kind of on the bubble of whether they were going to be a playoff team or not. And uh, David Stearns ends up trading David Phelps uh, to the Phillies for three players. I mean, they weren't high level guys. They weren't necessarily top 10 prospects, but at the same time to get three players uh, for a guy like David Phelps at the deadline, it does lead one to think that perhaps the return for Josh Hader at the deadline to a contending team, you know, might be very significant. So, you know, and that obviously, it obviously goes without saying that if the brewers are in it uh, at the deadline, then, you know, Josh Hader is far less likely to be dealt. Um, and I will say too, from a, from a on the field competitive standpoint, to have a guy like Josh Hader uh, and Devin Williams at the back in your bullpen would not be a, a bad combo for any team in major league baseball right now. So it is, it is, it is, you know, worth watching, of course, and it's fun to talk about, but I don't necessarily think that a move, um, the trading hitter is necessarily imminent. I think that the Brewers really have to be blown away. And the reason I, I think it's less likely is just because I don't think teams are going to be willing to blow somebody away with just all these market uncertainties. You know, we've got um, all sorts of things that we don't know yet about the 2021 baseball season and will there be fans? Won't there be fans? Will it start on time? Um, what will spring training look like? I mean, there's still a ton of stuff to be worked out and um, just that uncertainty is really volatile for any market, let alone major league baseball.
1: Yeah, and I'd like to speak a little bit to the comment you, you know, that rumor that floated out there that possibly the owners would be hoping to start the season in May rather than traditionally beginning of April, late March, beginning of April. Yeah. Um, obviously, that would be an economic uh, reasons for that. Um, yeah. Whether or not you know, normally April does not have a lot of fans and stands mm-hmm. due to weather across the nation or whatnot, um, but you combine that with the fact that COVID, uh, there might very well may be a full mask mandate going on during that month. Um, and so I, I think that they're probably looking at, you know, just start, they don't want to pay the the, sal- the salaries of the players at full pay for those games in April when they're not going to be giving the best revenue. And yeah. I, just, I just don't think this is going to fly with the Players Association. I, I think that they've already showed they played last season under similar conditions and uh, they were able to pull it off. And I don't think that that's going to, you know, th- to me, this is a bad sign uh, that there's uh, going into the next labor agreement, which ends at the end of this next upcoming season. It could get really ugly. Right. It, it just seems like the owners and the players association are nowhere near on the same page with anything. And a lot of times, these no, rumors,
0: I, no, go ahead, Greg, sorry.
1: Oh, no, I was just going to say these rumors are, seem to be leaked through the media instead of like being dealt directly players association to MLB owners. um, And I I don't know, I I normally don't agree with Scott Boris, but he spoke recently again that, you know, the owners aren't losing money, but they are losing profits. There's a difference. Um, And of course, to them, that's the same thing. But in reality, you know, they, in my opinion, they kind of, it's the owners that, you know, normally make plenty of money. That they might have to stomach a little bit of the losses here, but of course they're going to want yeah. to sh- trickle that down to the players. But um, I think it'd be a real travesty for them to have a sh- abbreviated twenty twenty one season when, as you see, all the other sports, including the NFL, right now, is getting in their full seasons without
0: fans or yep. with abbreviation well, no fans. So, yeah, no, it, it, okay. So a couple things. I think that yes, the the uh, you know owners generally are. Um, You know they're 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 wrong about this. Let me just say that I think that the season should start out time if you can do so safely, and that's been proven to to be something that they can do. You know we did get a 60 game season in uh, in 2020. It wasn't perfect, but it was something, and um, you really didn't see the spike in cases uh, that people had you know at first worried about. Uh, There was a couple teams that at the beginning the the Cardinals and the Marlins that you know went through some stuff, but you know, we've advanced, I hope, to the point where we understand sort of what needs to happen in order to keep people safe and what players need to be willing to do, um, you know, to, to maintain themselves uh, in a safe way so that they're not spreading it to their teammates, et cetera. Um, I don't know if I fully agree with Scott Boris's point. I, you know, that yes, that it does cut into profits, probably more so than um, actual budgets, but they, they have to rely on revenue from fans in order to their players you know so I do think that there is something to that but I, I guess my overall point is that I I think that the reason why this was leaked to the media is simply because it is a negotiating tactic as you pointed out the collective bargaining agreement expires um, after the 2021 season and I tend to think that the owners will eventually concede on this point in you know terms of starting the season on time knowing it's kind of a foregone conclusion but they can they can almost gain some goodwill with the players union by giving in on this point, And then they could probably get concessions and other aspects of negotiations. So I, I tend to think of this as more of a business negotiation tactic, um, you know, more than anything concrete or specific to when the season will actually start. I mean, there's a, a schedule that's already been published. Um, I, I think that, you know, most of the players would want, most of the fans would want some sort of regularity, even if it meant that fans weren't allowed in for the first you know, month or two months or whatever it is of the season. Um, so I tend to think of this as more of a negotiating tactic than anything else. Yeah. You're, you're most
1: likely right. Um, so... and,
0: and really quick. It, it should also be pointed out that that those comments came anonymously from one owner, um, which, you know, means that it wasn't like a spokesman for the ownership group or the commissioner talking about this. It was, it was, you know, one unattributed quote to one owner, you know. So I think that, I think that that's really what kind of stood out to me. That, you know, perhaps this one owner is just attempting to gain some leverage um, for the owners in a negotiation, but it wasn't anything concrete.
1: Yeah, and that's that's good to point out that this isn't, you know, something that was actually proposed, but more of a rumor. Uh, so let's all hope that doesn't happen, as we'd all love to see a full 2021 season, and of course, with fans in the stands at some point. As well and i think that will happen so hopefully things get all back to normal within a year or so as we're all looking forward to a better 2021 overall but like we hearken back to the beginning of the podcast and know that there's going to be a, a major economic fallout throughout baseball for that i mean you can see it now there's not free agents are not going to be getting the money that they they would have pre-pandemic during this off season and um and so teams like the Brewers, one of the smallest markets in baseball, um, are definitely, you know, not out looking to go out and spend money. Uh, with that being said, we do have some holes in our, especially in our offensive side of, yeah. uh, of, our, of our team building. And I mean, the most glaring hole to me is really third base. Um, uh, we have some issues at catcher, issues at first. We did resign, as we pointed out, Dan Vogelback, back, um, and he could most likely fill in some innings at first but also i think since our last podcast it has been pretty much solidified that there won't be a dh and yeah uh, in 2021 so that really you know throws a wrench in things too and means that if vogel gets starts he's probably going to be at, at first base so um are there any particular free agents that you i guess are in your wish christmas wish list i know we usually do something like that this time of year
0: yeah, uh, Ryan, Bra- Ryan Braun uh, would be one. I mean, I would love to see him back. Even without the DH, I think he could split time with Vogelbach at first. It's not perfect, but it's something, you know. And then it, you try to upgrade last year's production by getting a third baseman that can hit. I, You know, I, I, I worry right now because we have, like, no offensive production from either of our corner infield spots unless you think that Vogelbach, you know, can really be kind of the 20 – what was it, 2019 – first-half version of himself, uh, I just – and I don't know if I see that. So if you have to save money, you try to platoon maybe Braun and Vogelbach at first. It's not a long-term answer, but maybe for next season it's what you get away with. But um, I'm really worried about our offense overall. We don't know really what we have in Omar Narvaez. I hope that he has better numbers than he did last year. His track record would suggest that's possible, but not a for sure thing. But if you look at him from last year, we've got an incredibly weak offensive catcher. We've got really no idea what to expect at first base and no real starter um, at this point. And our third baseman or our third base spot is just completely void of anyone. And our most productive third baseman last year, Jed Jorko, is a free agent. And even he, I think, was adequate at best. So, you know, I think the third base is an incredible hole for this team.
1: No, yeah, and and so that's some one I'm focusing on. I know on my Christmas wish list is Jake Lamb, who, again, most likely passes prime, but I think he could be a change of scenery candidate where if he got regular regular at-bats, at, you know, coming off a couple of injury-riddled seasons, he could, you know, be a productive hitter once again at the hot corner. Um, so he's in his left-handed hitter. He's at the top of my list. But uh, I know Scott, he's busy saving Christmas right now and um, dealing with some flooding issues at his home. And... In the desert, but uh, <laughs> anyway.
0: The, uh, doesn't, he, doesn't he live on the second second
1: story? Yeah, I don't know. He's definitely um, got some problems going on, but uh, but no, I mean I know w- one player that's on top of his wish list is actually um, Marcus Simeon from the A's. Um, now he's a shortstop normally by trade, but he has some some experience at third as well. And I think Scott was hoping that he protect possibly sign as either shortstop and then to move um, uh, you know, um, to play shortstop and then you know or third base for the Brewers um, going into the what do you point. do it what do you do what do you do with Luis Urias well that's what I'm saying he's got some uh, his name escaped me for a second but um, yeah Urias has some experience at short third and second also himself so I think those guys could be an interchangeable that between the two of them you know, someone would take short, one would take third, and then of course we've got Orlando Arcia, who's also back um, on a one-year deal um, to fill in as a backup shortstop. Also, so I think between the three of those guys, they would kind of cover third base and 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 shortstop. Um, so, that, and I think that Simeon, you know, he, two years ago he he was I think third in like AL, AL MVP voting, if, if if I'm not mistaken. So. Uh, yeah, he was. He, he's he's still really uh, a good hitter and would really help our offense. And he also is someone who normally would be looking at a normal offseason, a pretty nice multi-year deal to kind of solidify himself going forward. But um, MLB trade rumors projected that he'd most likely only get a one-year deal. Um, and in the well, main, he needs
0: a. It's probably just is a make good year though, Craig. He had two twenty three last year. You know, he had a three oh five OBP, and you know, it was a weird year. But it, you know, like he had 25 walks and 50 strikeouts, and his numbers have never been great in terms of his strikeout to walk ratio. So, you know, just something to consider. He's, he's definitely a free swinger.
1: Yeah. Um, but I think he could be had on a one-year deal around 10 to 12 million in my opinion. So I'm, I'm not yeah, sure yeah. Um, it may be causing a little bit more than that for him, but again, he may have other suitors as well, but that's just one name I know Scott liked and the, looking at the free agent third baseman list, it's pretty, depressing and there isn't yeah. really very many people on it. So it's hard for me, unless we do make a trade for third baseman, hard to see, you know, uh, who's going to be playing there for us. But we shall see. And I think that, you know, we're also probably going to address a little bit more our bullpen. And I would, I would think that we're going to add at least one veteran starter also, um, if not more than one, going into this year. But we'll, we'll see. Um, but uh, again, I'm not expecting a huge a big off season and spending for the Brewers. I mean, last year, I, I know we described it as dumpster diving or bargain bin shopping and it kind of didn't work out too well. Uh, the Brewers did sneak in the playoffs because of the expanded format, but really it was not that great of a season. And a lot of our players, you know, had off years, especially Christian Yellage, but because of the, the yep. short season and the lack of spring training and all that good stuff. Um, I I think it was kind of like a mulligan of a year, even though we didn't make the playoffs. But uh, I'm really hoping for some rebounds from some guys, and I I think we will see that. Um, So, But with that being said, I think we definitely need to add a a bat. So someone like Simeon would, would, I think, definitely upgrade our offense. And I'm hoping the Brewers, if they do anything, that they spend their money on the offensive side this season.
0: Well, yeah, it, it's interesting with the starting pitcher. You know, I'm, I'm curious if we are going to get into the market or bidding for a starting pitcher, why we didn't go after somebody like a Lance Lynn. You know, um, there have been a few guys on the board this year already that have, I think, signed for very reasonable contracts. And I, I just don't know what we're waiting for if we are going to indeed go after a starting pitcher.
1: Yeah. Like a couple of names came out the board that I kind of like Michael Walker signed a one year, 6 million deal Yeah, Michael the, Walker with, with, with the raise, which I thought was very reasonable, obviously. And he, yep. he, he's now, he's on the, the plus side of 30 still. So, I mean, he would have been a good signings. There are a couple other veterans out there that could still sign. I know Taewon Walker, Garrett Richards are still out there. A couple of right-handers uh, who again, aren't totally past their prime yet. Um, so, but it wouldn't surprise me if, uh, if, if indeed you know, we, we mostly focus on the offensive side and and possibly rely on some of the guys that we have already, you know, on the team. More specifically, Eric Lauer will probably get an extended shot in the rotation, possibly Freddie Peralta once again, and then I, I don't know. I think we're still gonna see what Josh Lindblom will offer us in the rotation as well. So mm-hmm. I think that the Brewers probably could go in twenty twenty one season without adding. Um, starting pitcher per se, but I think they kind of need to for depth. Um, especially a veteran coming in, maybe even someone I know I used to beat the drum on this years ago, but maybe even someone like Cole Hamels, like a veteran toward the <laughs> tail end of his career, but someone that could offer, um, you know, a decent presence. Um,
0: Craig, so, you've been wanting him since like we started this show in 2004. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, now, now I'm pretty sure <laughs> now he's injury from past his prime, but.
1: Uh, but anyway. So um yeah, so again the Brewers very rarely build a team like I would necessarily, but um I'm pretty excited that the Brewers uh young core, you know, with yellage and and uh, Hira and of course on the starting rotation with um Burns and Woodruff toward toward the top of the rotation is a good core to kind of build off of. So I think the Brewers have some nice pieces in place that you know especially 20 years ago, we didn't have players like that even on our team. I mean, our best player was like Jeff Srillo, who um, hopefully is listening yeah. hopefully is listening in actually to this, but one of our, he was a great player at the
0: time. But again, he did, he did follow us on Twitter uh, just this past week, Craig. I actually uh, meant to announce that earlier. I was pretty excited to see that our interns who monitor our social media accounts informed me that uh, Jeff Cirillo is now officially a Brooker Review follower on Twitter.
1: Yeah, that's why I can't give him a little bit of a shout out here. But uh, yeah, so um, I don't know, um, Scott, I was hoping to join us, but it looks like he's having a hard time saving Christmas this year. Um, he's probably getting vaccinated or um, vaccinating Maybe the healthcare giving workers. the
0: vaccinations. Yeah, he's yeah. probably giving the vaccinations or funding it. I mean, he, he does such great work usually, so it's exciting to, to talk about, although I do wish he would just join us for a few minutes here. I know it's difficult, but yeah. A difficult busy season
1: but um, yeah so I mean that's pretty much all, I, all I've got uh, I don't know if there's anything else you'd want to talk about here Vince but uh,
0: well I thought we could touch really quick on uh, a big announcement from Major League Baseball since our last podcast and that was to include the Negro Leagues in, uh, in as an official former Major League and I think that that's just kind of interesting from a historical point of view um, a statistical point of view I was actually looking earlier today and I was hoping that Hank Aaron, who played in the Negro League uh, for one season, um, would have had enough home runs to overtake Barry Bonds as the all time home run king in Major League Baseball. Bonds ended his career with 763. Unfortunately, Hank Aaron hit only five home runs in his lone season in the Negro League. So if these numbers are indeed added to Major League totals, he ended up with five, or, I'm sorry, with 760 home runs in his five home runs short of um i'm sorry three home i can't do math three home runs short of barry bond still um with the addition of those five home runs so um i i do think that it is long overdue i just wanted to go on record and say that and uh, i do think it's worth noting on our podcast because it does affect um you know our our the way that we perceive the negro league and their impact on, on major league baseball
1: yeah yeah that's a great a great point and um yeah, I think it's really cool that Major League Baseball uh, decided to recognize them as such. Um, there's been some great players, course of course, as you said, even Hank Aaron, that have gone through those leagues. And again, much overdue um, recognition, definitely on, on their part. Uh, one other thing I, I also remember that we haven't touched on is uh, the Brewers uh, have a new AAA affiliate. And it's, an old, it's yeah. an old friend site. And that's the Nashville Sounds will be the AAA affiliate of <laughs> of the Milwaukee Brewers, 2021. Um, and I, I know that last year they were with San Antonio, which is, um, you're going to be living kind of down in that area, most likely, Vince. And unfortunately, I think you're a little bit um, not too happy about the,
0: the move in this, in the AAA affiliate. <laughs> but... Very very selfishly, Craig. I You know, just because, um, you know, I was excited to be able to check out, you know, a, another season of, of Brewers AAA baseball. But I had flown down to San Antonio a few times and, had seen the missions play and really enjoyed it and you know it was a fun fun atmosphere and all but um no that's purely selfish i'm excited because the brewers are now going to be moving into a fairly new stadium in nashville um in a place with a long history uh, of affiliation with the brewers and uh you know even on a personal level you know you and scott and chad and myself we all have great memories i think of our times in nashville uh when we first started this show and interviewing up and coming brewers prospects at that time, Giovanni Chiardo and Ryan Braun and Prince Fielder and uh, Nelson Cruz. And, you know, that whole crop of guys that, that, that really came of age in 2000 and, you know, five to 2011 and, and led the brewers to 2 postseason runs. So, um, no, I, I think it's good. I think it's exciting and, and, and would love to plan a trip, but we'll have to talk to Doug about our press passes being reinstated after Scott's drinking in the press box. But, um, you know, maybe he can let it slide now since it's been over a decade.
1: Absolutely. And uh, maybe, as you pointed out, uh, maybe Tim Dillard would be willing to re-sign with us. <laughs> um, I know he's, he's spent some time with the, the Milwaukee Milkmen, even uh, down the street from my house here in Franklin, um, this year. But uh, hopefully he can make his way back to the minor leagues. That'd be great. Um, but yeah, when he also, does,
0: hopefully we get the exclusive scoop on it too, Craig. That's, that's something to look forward to. Awesome.
1: And also, just to point out that unfortunately, it's, the Brewers didn't really even have the option to stay in San Antonio because of Major League Baseball's complete minor league overhaul and reshuffling of teams and franchises. Um, San Antonio was actually reclassified to Double A affiliate, so the Brewers didn't really even have the option to stay there as a Triple A team. So they had to move, and unfortunately. It's like musical chairs of the AAA team shuffling around and Nashville is the last chair left and the Brewers ended up back there. So I, I'm fine with it and it's kind of exciting actually. So, but anyway, um, and again, I feel so bad for all the minor league players who had a really difficult uh, 2021 season. They either, you know, didn't get to play at all or played just, you know, not competitive baseball by um, yep. 2021 season. And that's, it really sucks for a development of a young player to have to endure a full year of that. Uh, when you know, baseball, baseball is their entire life. So hopefully, they get back on track in 2021 and and uh, moving forward, minor league baseball is still a great thing here in America. So, all right, well, that's that's that pretty much wraps it up. Hopefully, everyone has a happy and healthy holiday season as we move into 2021. And I'm expecting the Brewers to make some moves here in the next couple of weeks. I know Scott will be all fired up about rejoining us on the next Pike podcast. Uh, he's been pretty busy, man, of lately. But I'm I'm sure um, we'll have him back in the fold here shortly. So uh, you you listeners, the longtime listeners of the Brew Review, can definitely look forward to that as I'm definitely uh, hyping hyping that up.
0: Yeah, absolutely. The the re-return of Scott Bartell. And um, just as a a, a quick reference, if you want to give us a follow on Twitter, we always appreciate it, Brew Crew Review 1 on Twitter. Please email any uh, questions for our podcast, to Brew Crew Review Podcasts with an S at gmail.com. Uh, and we'll be sure to answer your questions as quickly as we can. All right.
1: Well, I hope our GMs, uh, uh, David Stearns and Matt Arnold, are busy on those phones here during the holiday season and get us some Christmas present in the form of new brewers for 2021 season. So, uh, so thanks again, all your fans listening out there. Uh, thanks for joining me, Vince. And go brewers.
0: Yeah, thanks, Craig. Thanks, Scott. All right, go brewers. Stay classy, Wisconsin. Doo 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 doo.